0: practical joker (laughs) oh no
1: (laughs) no such thing as bad jokes for this episode it's not possible oh man so hello and welcome to screen fix the show where we will fix a recent hollywood movie i am your host for this week lady one it's jc's turn to be jet setting in a way Um, i won't say exactly where he is but he is at one of the seven wonders of the world right now so mystery right Traveling, man. Sounds far away. So I am joined this week by original screen fixer Mustachio. Say hi, Mustachio.
0: Hey, everybody.
1: And our special guest fixer this week, Robert Innes Jr. from the Crooked Table Podcast. Say hi, Robert. Hey,
2: everybody. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. We're excited to have you on. Um, Can you tell our Screen Fix listeners a little bit about Crooked Table and why they should listen to your show?
2: So we cover the world of film from a fresh angle. So every episode, Mm -hmm. I have a different guest come on and we talk about normally a movie of their choice. So Mm -hmm. we get to delve a little bit more into their personal connection to that film. So we've covered... Films like *The Farewell*, that's on an upcoming episode that obviously is a film for this year, mm-hmm. going all the way back to things like *Some Like It Hot* and *Christmas in Connecticut*, *White Christmas*. Yes. So we've, you know, we've been doing this this concept for about a year now, uh, just because I, I felt like I needed a, a fresh take, uh, <laughs> a, a fresh take on uh, on the show, and to live up to a, the website slogan a little more. So, uh, so that's been really fun. And this year we've actually been covering. The Star Wars movie so we were doing every month uh, a different episode in the Star Wars saga um, leading up to the rise of Skywalker in December and uh, that's been a real really fun journey just kind of going through the films and and building anticipation for this uh, you know climactic conclusion I guess
1: so excited yeah Yeah. I um, one of my favorite episodes you guys did uh, recently was um, I think it was the film B you had on to talk about American Psycho yeah so good definitely listen to that one guys Loved it.
2: Yeah, that was great. And I hadn't seen the movie for a while. I saw it once before, so it gave me a new appreciation for it, too. That's one of the great things about to, about the way that I do my show is I I a lot of times see movies from the perspective of the people who are on the show who love them. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I always walk away uh, appreciating a film more than I did going into it. So that, that's always fun to focus on the, the positive side of it and like the subjectivity of cinema and things like that.
1: Yeah, very cool. Definitely mm-hmm. check that
2: out.
0: Really quickly. cool.
1: All right, so this week, we are going to be fixing a movie that was released to quite a bit of controversy and something like an eight-minute standing ovation at the Venice Film Festival. So, yeah. This week, we are fixing Joker.
0: My mother always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. She told me I had a purpose—to bring laughter and joy to the world. Is it just me, or is it getting crazier out there? Smile, though your heart is aching, Smile you'll get by what? if you smile <laughs> to your fear and sorrow <laughs> smile and maybe tomorrow i used to think that my life was a tragedy but now i realize
2: it's a comedy
1: So Joker was directed by Todd Phillips of The Hangover fame. It stars Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beetz, and Francis Conroy. It was written by director Todd Phillips and Scott Silver. And as I mentioned, there was a lot of controversy surrounding this film before it came out. Um, Some theaters canceled their screenings. There were concerns that there could be copycat attacks after the Aurora shooting in The Dark Knight Rises several years ago. And there was some real outcry that this movie was... Essentially depicting one of the greatest villains in pop culture as like an anti-hero or a sympathetic character or something that basically, you know, society brought upon themselves. And I mean, this is just my opinion. But after seeing it, I really think those concerns were unfounded and maybe based on the one particular line he gives towards the finale. What do you get when you cross a mentally ill owner with a society that abandons him and treats him like trash? Mm you get what you fucking deserve. We swear on this show.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, I feel like by the time he's saying that line, he's made a lot of bad decisions, bad decision after bad decision. This was not like the only way his story could have played out. So I really don't feel like the movie is, you know, saying this is what you get. This is what you deserve. But that's just a uh, my opinion there. The studio did make a statement defending the movie. It said, make no mistake, neither the fictional character Joker nor the film is an endorsement of real-world violence of any kind. It is not the intention of the film, filmmakers, or the studio to hold this character up as a hero. So, um, Mustachio, with all this controversy, did that affect the way you viewed the film?
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, it did have me a little on edge, like, but... (sighs) I I really don't think that it affected the way that I saw it because of like sympathetic kind of like tendencies for like uh, for violence or anything of that sort. I think Mm -hmm. it almost seems like at the end with like the whole city uprising, that was almost like this comic book level exaggeration of everybody's on his side.
1: Yeah. Robert, what did what did you think going into this movie with uh, all the articles and twitter outcry ahead of it
0: yeah there was a lot to
2: i feel like i was constantly processing and weighing all those all those arguments as i was watching the movie which was a little bit distracted to be honest yeah um and you know obviously i don't think that films like this inspire really violence but i think that there is a potential for some you know whatever you want to call them the incel movement toxic males whatever to Mm -hmm. relate to this character on some level so uh, you know there that's that's a conversation separate a little bit uh but i do think that the movie does try and paint try and paint him as a sympathetic character overall i mean we are trying to understand him and i think that's ultimately what makes the violence in this movie much more impactful than something like i you know todd phillips has mentioned oh why isn't this being held up to the same standard as you know why is this up to one standard and then john wick totally different and i'm like Mm -hmm. well completely different kind of movie totally he's he's fighting other you know he's killing other bad people one yeah it's super stylized it's you know he's not like getting any like joy or satisfaction out of it. it's purely like a self-defense thing for the most part
1: exactly and there are rules
2: right exactly so
1: many rules that's the whole movie
2: <laughs> the whole john wick franchise is about rules yeah. in fact yeah. um whereas in this one i mean i think he kills what, maybe five people like really on screen or something like that but when it happens you you feel the impact of it and yeah. uh I, you know i think it, it opens up an interesting conversation whether or not the film delivers that message in a really satisfying way it opens up the conversation of like you know mental illness, which we you know we have mm-hmm. shootings all the time now, and mental mm-hmm. illness is a real issue that we're not really talking about as much or regulating as we should be, I guess um so yeah. I, I think this the movie does start those conversations even if it doesn't you know handle them in as good a way as as they probably as it probably should if that makes sense
1: yeah Ooh. yeah i I heard when when Todd Phillips was basically defending his movie as he should it's his movie, right. but comparing like you said the criticism of this movie versus john wick when like the body count in john wick is so much higher but they're just they're not at all the same like one is there for you to just watch crazy stunts and action scenes and one is there to really like kind of mess with your head so i think i think he made a pretty poor argument (laughs) defending his movie (laughs) but i do think that if if you see Joker and you are upset about how it makes you think that like it could be real, then like really your problem is with the fact that it could be real and not with
2: the movie. Right. Like
1: art is allowed to upset you. Mm. Your problem should mm. be with society at large and not with like Todd Phillips. Yeah,
2: there's there's you a know? distinguish uh, there is a distinction I think to be made between um, you know, are these movies dangerous because they're sympathetic, they're, they're painting disturbed individuals in a, in a somewhat sympathetic light? Or are they mm. dangerous because they lead us to try to understand those people? Like it's just the, right. you know, I think that, you know, I think that's they're disturbing because they're trying to help us to understand what to, understand. to lead somebody to that rather than just thrusting it upon us. I, you know, it, it's totally that's yeah, that, that's definitely uh, a question the film raises for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And is it bad if movies make us think? I don't think that's bad.
2: No, I think
1: think it's pretty good. I love any time a film inspires a bigger conversation. Like we're doing we're doing something good. So Mm -hmm. now I have to get into the fresh hot stats. So this movie opened at number one its first weekend, making almost ninety four million dollars in the U.S., Plus another hundred and forty million overseas. It is the largest domestic opening for an October movie ever, topping last year's Venom, which I feel like is kind of like a spiritual like cousin to this movie. We have a, you know, villain origin story without our hero at all. So, you know, Mm -hmm. made a crazy amount of money. I think all of the articles and the tweets and the canceled screenings only made more people want to go out and see it. As far as the tomatoes go, this movie is certified fresh, but it's only at 70% according to critics. Um, The audience score is much higher. It's at 90%. And that actually kind of feels a little similar to Venom as well. (laughs) Venom was... 29% rotten. And I <laughs> honestly have no idea what I watched when I saw that. But the audience score was 80%. So people are enjoying these movies. All right. So before we get into fixing this movie, we have to talk about what it's all about. So um, we're, we're going to go through the plot summary. The, the quick one this is courtesy of Movie Pooper. And I promise I will get a talking to from JC if I do not use his tagline. Movie pooper, wiping away the excess. (laughs) So, Mustachio, will you hit us with that quick and dirty plot summary of Joker?
0: Yeah, here we go. In the early 80s, Gotham City is overrun with crime and destitution, while the rich live comfortably over everyone else. Arthur Fleck, Joaquin Phoenix, is a struggling comedian with mental health issues that lives with his mother, Penny, Frances Conroy, After losing his job and being mocked on live TV by talk show host Murray Franklin, played by Robert De Niro, plus his medication being cut off, Arthur begins a slow descent into madness. Arthur's first criminal act is to kill three young Wall Street men on the subway who are harassing him. This is seen as an attack on Gotham's elite, which several citizens support. Arthur is then led to believe that he is the illegitimate son of Thomas Wayne, as per a letter Penny wrote to him. Uh, Thomas denies this, and after Arthur visits Arkham Asylum to learn the truth, he finds that Penny was just delusional and that she adopted and abused him. He goes to the hospital where she is and smothers her to death. Arthur is invited onto Murray's show. Prior to this, he kills a former co-worker who gave him the gun that he used to kill the men on the subway. Arthur is chased by two detectives investigating the murders, but they are attacked by protesters dressed as clowns on murray's show arthur admits to the murders before venting his anger out on murray and killing him in front of his audience arthur is arrested and he is broken out by his followers who have begun terrorizing the city one of them ends up killing thomas and martha wayne in front of young bruce wayne arthur becomes a hero to the damaged citizens arthur is imprisoned in arkham but he is now fully transformed into the joker well Ooh. that's good yeah the movie poopers right? got it
1: yes where would we be without Movie Pooper? Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so before we start fixing this movie, a lot of people work on these movies. A lot of people put their heart and soul into this. So, uh, Robert, what is just one thing in particular you enjoyed about Joker?
2: I really love the score to this movie. I've listened to it a few times mm. since I, since seeing it. It's it, it is so haunting, and I think it makes yes. his whole arc... Feel so operatic, even you know, mm-hmm. regardless of the whether the images on screen match that or or reach that height, <laughs> everything yeah. feels like like you feel the stakes of of everything. You feel the the angst and and the, the darkness within him kind of brewing to the surface. I'm thinking specifically the that the the dance sequence, not the one down the stairs, <laughs> the other one, <laughs> the the slow yeah. dance with with, uh, with him, just kind of you know slipping into madness even further. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it, it lends a lot to this film. Um, and I think, you know, I would love to say that the composer's name, but the composer is Icelandic and I don't want to butcher it, but, <laughs> but she does a great job uh, with the music in this. And I think it's definitely one of the highlights of the film. And, you know, in addition to sure. obviously Phoenix himself, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I, the score stood out to me so much after I saw it. I was like, yeah. whoa, it, it adds a lot. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent score.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally
1: agree. Uh, mustachio what's something that you enjoyed about joker
0: oh i just i mean anybody can say this um what what joaquin brings to that character what what kind of madness like he lives in with that role i could just it just seems like he's just pressure cooking in this uh level of like psychosis i feel like this movie just captures well this this timeline of someone meeting their breaking point um, I was talking to someone that didn't know that this turned out to be, like, you know, a bad ending with Joker going crazy. But, oh. <laughs> I, yeah, and it was my mom. It was my mom. She, <laughs> oh, okay. she, she, Aww, she was, she was like, wait, what's, what's this? Yeah, she, she was like, wait, so why... Uh, I was hoping it was, he could have that turning point that, like, Aww. you know, he, he turns good. And I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> not, that's not <laughs> how Aww, Joker's going to so go. Yeah, yeah. And and I thought, like, well, wh- what would have been, like, the turning point, you know? And she's like, well, maybe before he goes and goes to that mansion and uh, weirds that kid out. And I'm like, yeah, that that, that would have been a good time to try to nip it in the bud there.
1: Yeah, maybe reel it in. No. Yeah, yeah. No we such can... luck.
0: No, nope, can't fix him. Oh, oh. yeah, it was, it was so good.
1: That's so sweet yeah. that you're so optimistic.
0: Mm, all right.
1: But yeah, no, uh, incredible performance. I think, I think everybody's pretty much like locking Joaquin Phoenix down for an Oscar nomination for this. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: dude is crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. He keeps turning out these incredible, very haunting performances. Um,
2: yeah. yeah. Truly, I think he's he's, good. he's definitely due for at least another nomination, if not a win. And yeah. if this is, you know, that's the other thing. Like, I have mixed feelings overall in this movie. But if also if this is the film that gets him an Oscar, it's like, I'm, I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah, totally yeah. fair. <laughs> yeah, I think kind of honestly similar to uh, Rami Malek last year. He did an amazing job, but I didn't think Bohemian Rhapsody was that great of a movie.
2: Yeah, agreed. Um,
1: so no, it doesn't have to be to the same standard as the film. I don't I don't expect Joker to be nominated for Best Picture. But Joaquin Phoenix, like, count it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, for me, um, I'm going to sound like JC right now. So I'm going yeah. <laughs> to have my negative with my positive. But <laughs> while I was not particularly impressed with Todd Phillips' direction in this movie, I did think the cinematography was fantastic. I think I would also bank on Lawrence Schur being nominated for an Oscar for this. Yeah. I just think it is as important to the movie as the score without like the way he shoots it it's just yeah very impressive so lots of good things to say about this movie i think this is the best movie we've fixed in a while
0: yeah it's hard <sighs> to fix a good one like this yeah
1: i know you really gotta like put your back into it
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: all right well i think it's time that we fix joker are you guys ready
0: let's do it let's fix it
1: all right let's do this <laughs> Robert, you are our special guest this week. Would you tell us your first fix for Joker?
2: Well, we mentioned the things that we liked about the film, the score, the cinematography, the performances, mm-hmm. uh, or especially the lead performance, obviously. I, I think yeah. that the script is not it's not as sharp as it could have been. I mean, uh, you're mm-hmm. obviously making a Joker film, so we know exactly where it's going. There's not really yeah. any dramatic tension as far as, unless you're Mustachio's mom, as far as the, <laughs> the, the way it's Aww. going to end. Uh, so I think that there, because of that, there are certain aspects of the film that felt to me is kind of predictable. I don't know if this makes me sound, you know, like whatever kind of movie goer. But as soon as they established <laughs> that, you know, his, his uh, an admiration for Murray Franklin and wanting to be on that show, I was thinking to myself, oh, he's going to probably go on the show and shoot him. Like, yeah. <laughs> like early in the movie, like in the first half hours, you know, and the way that that plays out is kind of, as I expected. So there didn't feel like there were really any surprises in that regard. Um, mm-hmm. I, I also think that, you know, some of the ideas behind it, we mentioned, uh, as far as, you know, m- mental illness, there's obviously the class system commentary yeah. going on there. I think those are all really good ideas. I don't really think they're executed particularly well in this movie you know just overall i feel like this the script did not rise to the the level of the performances and some of the production i did kind of like the misdirect about making him and bruce wayne related and then dodging that bullet because mm-hmm. that's again kind of a villain crutch that we've seen everywhere from uh austin powers and gold member to specter <laughs> and things like that it's like you know yeah. I, I don't i don't think we need needed that to be so on the nose with that with that regard, but uh, yeah, just the script, I feel like they, if they had worked on it a little bit more, I think they would have, it, it could have been something really, really special. As it is, I yeah. think it works as a character piece, but not necessarily as a compelling you know, plot.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Mm-hmm. There, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of really standout lines from this movie. And that's the script's fault. You know, the performance is amazing. Um, the fact that I, you know can't really remember like specific lines that he's delivering that's uh that one's on todd phillips <laughs> i'm just gonna hate on todd phillips this whole episode apparently <laughs> yeah I, I don't know what we're expecting from the guy who did old school but
2: it is what it all is all three hangovers too
1: yeah i can't forget those what a <laughs>
2: contribution to society
1: <laughs>
0: mustachio
1: what is your first fix for joker
0: Okay, so with his condition, with the the laughing, I li- mm. I liked that. I, I liked how that's something that we kind of hear from the very beginning that he's affected yeah. by. It's like researching it, it's kind of it talks about pseudo bulbar effect and mm-hmm. how it could be caused by a traumatic brain injury and how this can lead to this uncontrollable laughter, uh, which leads on for minutes and the person. It doesn't match what their emotional feeling is. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted something more following like this. Like, say, like, if he's on seven medications, Yeah. I kind of wanted his descent into, you know, this, well, I guess it was happiness. He, he found happiness towards the end, and he yeah. lost the medication. So I feel like with the way the medication was being given to him and it being cut off, I wanted that to be more of, like, Uh, I guess a tipping point than it was than just like, Oh, I'm just off my meds. I feel better. Yeah. And that can be shown by in the beginning when he's just gaunt and everything like, and he's loading up on these meds. I wanted him to have that maybe a stylized way of administering them to himself. Um, like he uses the cigarette in, in the end. I wanted Mm. that to be like, maybe that's how he transitions was, when he finds this happiness and he's no longer taking this medication, it's noticeable. It's a lot more like, OK, well, yeah, that's that's how that's what it looks like when you get off seven meds at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe something more to that effect.
2: Yeah. You, you know, Mustachio, you, you you mentioned that it makes me it makes me want to highlight something else about the performance. He yeah. He did seem like he he captured a lot of the, you know, the Joker's very. Not like effeminate, but like kind of mannered and theatrical in the way he moves. And I did feel like you were mentioning with the cigarette that Joaquin really captured some of that as well. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. his movement is just uh, eerie, but it's also mesmerizing. Yeah, it's captivating. Yeah, and and I feel like yes, like his run. Throughout the hallways when he's running and like down like the uh, overpass thing, he's mm-hmm. running like almost in this slapstick kind of scary way that makes yeah. me think of the Joker.
1: Yeah, I don't know how he can run that fast when he smokes that much. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. honestly, <laughs> and it's truly impressive. But
0: he's got to be fatigued.
1: I mean, <laughs> <exactly>.
0: <laughs> Lady one, we we want to hear your fix.
1: So my first fix for this movie has to do. With the series of shots revealing that his relationship with Zazie Beats has all been in his head. Um, mm. I absolutely hated that moment. It was a complete ripoff of the reveal from Fight Club. Uh, spoilers for a movie that came out 20 years ago that the entire time <laughs> the narrator has been talking to Tyler Durden, he's been alone. It was done the exact same way. I don't shot know by how shot. You- it like, oh yeah. my gosh, that movie is iconic, like how are you How are you doing this? Yeah, I hated that because while those moments were happening, it seemed very clear to me that he was imagining them the same way he imagined going on the Murray Franklin show when he was watching it earlier in the movie and just imagining having this conversation yeah. with him. It yeah. seemed clear to me that I was seeing things in this movie that were in Arthur's head, and the fact that they revealed that those moments weren't real. Oh, I I hated not just the way that it was done, but I hated that it was done at all because I really feel like the strength in this movie lay in the uncertainty of what was happening and what wasn't. When he says to his social worker that he wasn't even sure he existed before, I felt like that's explaining how you're feeling watching this like is this real is this happening and and to have that moment kind of undercut the uncertainty that you've been feeling and point out something that I don't think anybody needed to have told to them it just I really felt like it was a weak point in the movie to have that reveal Plus, I know that like Todd Phillips is super in Fight Club because he actually said that Old School was like the comedy version of Fight Club. So I know you've been into this movie. Don't do that. Come on, man.
2: That's part of why I feel like a lot of any any of the praise for Phillips' direction is really misplaced because this is just Scorsese, Fincher. Uh, yes, this Whoa. very American Psycho that you were just mentioning too, the kind mm-hmm. of the tone of it. How would totally. just curious? How would you have had that play out? Just have him show up in her house and her kind of react, and then. And, you know, end the scene like that without the the flashes?
1: Yes, exactly. Just that that fear when she sees him in his, when she sees him in her living room, like, I was so scared because I'm like, oh, no, what is he going to do to her? Mm. Like, she's just a neighbor lady. Please don't hurt her. Like, I was very, very afraid for her in that moment. And I didn't need to kind of remove myself from that fearful tension to have a reveal showed to me that I already knew. So I would have loved if it was just having that scene play out without those cuts, just have her say, you know, can I call your mom like you're in the wrong apartment? And then that also would reinforce Arthur's feeling of isolation and not being included and then, you know, being abandoned again because we wouldn't get the explanation in case anybody needed it that that wasn't real Mm -hmm. between them. Um, I think it would make that scene much stronger.
2: I did wonder what happened after that scene ends because it just cuts away and he's somewhere else and I'm right. like, "Wait, what happened? Did he did he what hurt happened? Sophie and her daughter?" Cuz you never does see he her know? again after. Does that. he
0: know? Yeah. I know. <laughs> exactly. We never
1: see. I'm I I don't know. I feel like but I also do feel like that's a strong choice to not yeah. tell us how that scene ended. Yeah, I like I that. So. Robert, what is your second fix for Joker?
2: The movie does a a pretty good job at establishing arthur Fleck's story and and having it be very standalone but i think that i think that the balance is off because then like halfway through the movie and certainly the last few minutes it just embraces the batman mythos in a way that it Mm -hmm. hasn't the whole movie so it it, to me felt really jarring it's like if you're gonna have if you're gonna make it very clear that this is gotham just have you know where why doesn't he swing by ace chemicals or something like more Mm -hmm. easter eggs more references to make this feel like gotham instead of new york like i had to keep reminding myself via i guess the newscast throughout the movie about oh gotham blah 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 like it i kept forgetting it was gotham city because it, it, it doesn't seem like the joker for the majority of the film and it doesn't there's nothing in it to really make it feel like gotham city it just feels like you know some crazy, like, like again, a kind of a taxi driver uh, in mm-hmm. early 80s, late 70s New York. Uh, so yeah. so I think that they could have done a better job of sprinkling the Batman references uh, throughout the film rather than just, you know, laying it on super thick at the ending with, you know, Thomas and Martha Wayne getting shot. I did like the way that, that if they're going to retcon the, the Wayne's murder, having it be indirectly uh, mm-hmm. caused by the Joker, okay. I thought was a smart way to play it rather than... Tim Burtoning it and and you know completely changing it so that the Joker is the one that kills them. Yeah. Uh, So I thought that was that was an interesting way to to lay out his evolution into that. And I also did like the way a lot of the criticisms of the movie have said uh, that his his uh, killing spree should have been tied to politically motivated you know uh reasons and things like that and i do like that that they kept that separate because that that, that's the joker he doesn't do anything based on politics he does it based on passion based on fun and i wanted to feel more of the spirit of that character uh carried throughout the film
1: yeah i love when he says you know this isn't political i don't believe in anything yeah yeah that was nice and true to the character but i totally agree with you it didn't didn't feel like gotham at all and i know that you know traditionally kind of pre-nolan gotham and new york were sort of the same thing but really christopher nolan did some interesting things with his trilogy making it very pittsburgh making it very chicago Mm -hmm. you know it's it's all cities it's no cities it's gotham and this one i mean to say that they're like wall street brokers i was like no wall street is in new york like i i did they have to call it wall street wasn't there anything else they could have said to, like, establish that it's really, truly Gotham? I totally agree with you. It was a missed opportunity for the movie. It only would have made people like it more, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> Mustachio, what is your next fix for Joker?
0: Yeah. His um, smothering his mother uh, with the pillow in the, in the hospital scene. Yeah, yeah, she was hooked up to a uh, like a heart monitor. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure, and a, and a bunch of other buzzing and beeping things that would have <laughs> gone crazy. Yeah, if she was put under and snuffed out that quick. So I wanted that scene to be a little bit more realistic to what would have happened if those things are going off. You can't just unplug it, mm-hmm. or else the thing goes off, and he seems to be not a very like smart killer that knows how to concoct these scenes at which he can kill people like right. almost like an Anton Shakur or something like like he doesn't have that capability yeah at least at this time mm-hmm. and that's what makes him so like kind of like crazy it's just like oh wow he just happened to get away with it there
1: yeah he's just impulsive
0: yeah so without kind of creating too like method of a way that he could have not been caught I would have wanted something a little bit more realistic so like maybe he accidentally bumps her rolling cart into the the next like little like like screen thing over and like the people that rush to it are actually going to uh, the bed of the person next to her or something like that while he's smothering her with. Maybe something like put on a happy face like he's put on her pillow a bloody smiley face and he's just Ooh, putting it right creepy. over her. Yeah,
2: I like your version of the scene better. <laughs> Mustache.
0: Oh, yeah. that's so disturbing. Yeah. Like, I like it. Like like he was thinking the whole time about how he wanted to put a happy face on there. He wasn't even thinking about how to get out of there.
1: Yeah.
0: To his own, like, like who knows, like his own, like luck, I guess. Uh, they rushed to the bed of the person next to him and he just kind of waltzes his way out because now he's happy now now he's free, he's free again, yeah
1: yeah oh that's real messed up
0: <laughs> yeah i like it, it is. it's it's i tapped into that movie thinking about that because <laughs> there's, a, there's a number of ways he could have handled it but that heart monitor would have been going off crazy, something crazy
1: yeah she just weirdly never flatlines. her heart stops you, beating oh, but hear, she never flatlines. you hear
0: a couple of beeps like beep beep and then yep. there's nothing it's like <laughs> oh yeah. wow what
1: was odd. I like mm. your version much better. Yeah, for sure. Oh, thank you. Stuff of nightmares. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Lady 1, give us your last fix.
1: All right, my last fix comes in uh the talk show scene. The big tension-filled moment when Joker comes out on Murray Franklin's show. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as we said, Robert De Niro is portraying Murray Franklin. He is basically the equivalent of, like, Johnny Carson in this movie. He's a stand-up comedian with a pretty predictable, popular late-night show. He's not doing anything, like, wild or groundbreaking. He's just a stand-up comedian. That's it. He's reading cue cards. He is sitting there with an absolutely insane man, just sitting in his chair next to him, just admitting casually to cold-blooded murder. Yeah. And Murray Franklin is confrontational. He is brash. He is aggressive with the Joker. Murray Franklin is, again, a stand-up comedian. This is not Jimmy Conway. This is not a gangster. I know it's Robert De Niro, but no, you don't don't have that. That shouldn't be happening that way. It was so off-putting how casual and just sort of pushy he was that Mm -hmm. I started to think that the scene wasn't even happening. I started to think this was another Joker fantasy of going on the show and like, I'm finally going to be on it. And I was honestly waiting for it to not be real because his reaction just didn't seem grounded in reality at all. So I didn't like how nonchalant Robert De Niro was in that last scene. To me, it made his death like less impactful, partially because I didn't really know for sure it was happening and partially because... He's kind of being rude to him and like, (laughs)
0: like, you know, he's crazy.
1: (laughs) What are you doing? Yeah, no, I hate that. I I would have loved to see a smug comedian portrayed by such a normally confident, bold, in charge actor just be terrified. It would have been so much scarier to see someone like Robert De Niro just be like uncomfortable and afraid and scared. That's that would really have been something to see instead of just Robert De Niro being Robert De Niro. It feels like... like does he even have to try at this point? It feels
2: <laughs> like it was uh, either a script note or something that, that De Niro said to Todd Phillips on the set. Be like, hey, I'm not gonna... I, I'm, you know, I can't am right, I do that. I got He's got to become stronger uh, to Arthur than <laughs> yeah. just, you know, <laughs> folding it over. Yeah. He's like, have you seen Goodfellas? I mean, we clearly we know you've <laughs> seen all the movies I did with Scorsese because... Yeah, look right. The, look around you um but yeah Yeah. it it feels like something that maybe on the on the set Robert De Niro was like okay I'll do the movie but this has got to be we've got to work on this scene and
1: yeah he's like I can't be scared yeah (laughs) I'm supposed to be scared of this guy look at him he's so skinny like I can't be scared (laughs) yeah I I hated that I wanted him to be so afraid kind of ruined the tension for me honestly
0: yeah so it seemed really unnatural for that show host
1: is that how Jay Leno would handle the situation? I don't think so. No, I think
0: he, he'd be no. very afraid. Yeah. He'd be very, very much more <laughs> nervous and maybe trying to nervously ask some of those same questions, but not like, you know, drilling him. Yeah, keeping it light. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. Oh, hey, yeah,
2: hey yeah, why, 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 why did you kill the guys on the subway? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, those were some good fixes, guys. I think we can consider mm-hmm. the Joker. Screen (laughs) fix.
2: That was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) All right, Robert from the Crooked Table podcast. Do you have a final thought about Joker?
2: This has obviously been one of the more talked about movies of 2019 for for good or for ill. But I definitely think people should, regardless of how they feel about, you know, the the politics of the film or, or the discussion around it. I definitely think they should see it for themselves uh, mm-hmm. there are a lot of, there are a lot of elements of it that to me don't you know fall short, but I think it's worth watching for Phoenix's performance, for the music, yeah. for the fact that, and this is something that I've, I've mentioned often when I talk about the comic book films that DC keeps g- trying new approaches, Try they're very, their mm-hmm. films are very ambitious. Like whether they work or not, they, they try something that, you know, you know, I love Marvel movies, but those films are all kind of, very similar in in tone, yeah. in, in aesthetic, and things like that. And this is yeah. unlike any DC film, at least. This is unlike anything we've ever seen in the comic book genre, at least, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's definitely worth checking out if, if people are at all interested in the character and, uh, and the brand. Because... Uh, This made, as you mentioned, like 94 million first weekend. So, uh, we're probably going to see more of this, uh, whether that's a sequel directly or Phoenix gets folded into some of the other films, or even an idea that I had, which, whether they do it or not, it kind of feels like it would be sort of an interesting one to pursue, is to do standalone films on different Batman villains, doing this kind of grounded approach. So, like, what turns Harvey Dent to Two Face? What turns Selena Kyle into Catwoman? You know, I think there's a possibility there to do to do something like that, which in a way kind of feels like the Gotham TV show laid that groundwork first a little bit because that had elements of it as well. But uh, yeah, definitely see Joker and uh, form your own opinion. Don't let anybody, including us, sway you on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Mistachio, do you have a final thought on Joker?
0: So we talked a little bit about it earlier with like the way he danced and that being kind of like the shots like were just set up to where uh we just see this kind of unfolding, this unraveling and and I, I love the way he danced because in in the beginning his dance kind of seemed kind of like medicated and rigid and, and just broken and then by the time we see him just like un like like almost unfold into this like uh this madness, we're now seeing it like where he's got like this like no care in the world, kind of whimsy. And mm-hmm. and I feel like that just spoke volumes, like, with so much to, that he could portray. I mean, just in his dancing alone, it, it spoke so much more than some, like, like some parts of the film. And, and I feel like yeah. even he, Joaquin Phoenix, as an actor, knows that that kind of comes through. I think that there's so much, like y'all are saying, like, so much that you should form your own opinion. Because, like, this movie has uh, so much that it's not for everyone. It turns out my dad hated it. My uh What? My, yeah, my dad said it was the worst $16 he's ever spent. Oh. <laughs> and and I and I get it. It's uh some people don't want to see that level of uh pain and and I get that. Um but it's it's more about uh the art of seeing how this uh, unfolds and how this character like finds happiness and and there's something in that. Even if it's dark. Yeah. yeah, I I really liked it.
1: Yeah, it was great. Like I said before, I I haven't fixed a good movie in a minute. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I feel like I've just been seeing a lot of movies that I don't like. (laughs) 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 So this was a pleasant surprise. I really did enjoy this movie. Um, I, you know, I read a lot of things beforehand that made me anxious about it. And you know, like I said before, I felt a lot of it was pretty unfounded. Just kind of one line blown up into a whole movie, and and really, you got to take the whole movie as as one thing. And yeah, it can make you uncomfortable. There's some violence. There's, there's some some things that happen. But oh my god, I was just about to say that's life. Very <laughs> Franklin <laughs> like yeah, oh, uh, show. Uh, that's show. All the people say. Uh, oh, like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> um, so thank you again, Robert, for joining yeah. us on this episode of Screen Fix. Uh, where can where can people find you and your show?
2: Uh, you can find us on CrookedTable We're on the, mm-hmm. the show is on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all pretty much most places you can all find. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and you can follow the uh, Crooked Table podcast at Crooked Table on Twitter.
1: Awesome, definitely follow. Good tweets.
2: Good yeah. tweets. Thanks. <laughs>
1: You can always reach us here at the show by sending an email to screenfixpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at ScreenFixPod, Instagram at ScreenFixPod. And of course, we're on Facebook. Just search for ScreenFix Podcasts. You can listen to the show anywhere podcasts are found. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would absolutely love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe and, uh, you know, like tell somebody about it. You can like leave a note or something. Just recommend it. We would really...
0: Write it it on their windshield and lipstick.
1: Oh my god, do that. If you do that and send us a picture, like I don't I don't know what we'll do for you, but it'll be good. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) All right, bye everybody. Bye everybody. Bye.
2: Bye.
0: That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in
2: April.
1: Come on, man. Stop being Fight Club. And that scene where he confronts Wayne in the bathroom, like, can I have not felt more like Fight Club? Todd
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Phillips. Might as well have knocked Come him down man. on the floor and spoken to him from an aerial shot. Yeah. yeah.
2: Do not fuck with us.